When I'm not playing the Lost Eye of Thundera on my Commodore Amiga 500, I love nothing more than cruising Third Earth in the Thunder Tank, listening to Aaron and John on the Amigos Podcast. Thunder, 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 Thundercats! Ho! Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we are going to be taking a look at History Line, 1914 to 1918. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, we got some feedback from last week's episode. Ooh. Last week we talked about Overkill. Mm-hmm. Remember that? I tried to talk about it, but it was hard for me. It was a, yeah. I was a, uh, And we got Scopey33, as well as some people on the Discord, uh, mentioned that we should check out this other game called Data Storm. Which apparently is is the number one Defender clone on the Amiga. Data Storm. Data Storm. Good name. So yeah. we'll we'll have to check that out. Thank you guys for for mentioning that. I think another fellow mentioned the game. I think it was called like Defendica or something like that, or Defendra. I saw another one that was mentioned too. So. There there might be a couple, especially in the PD realm. Even the order. Coco had multiple Defender clones. You just <laughs> got to have a, a big schmoz of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the big news this week, Aaron, is that we got some mail. The mail. We got some okay. mail. We got a tremendously heavy package. You hefted this thing from one table to another. You can attest. Yeah, it's hefty. It was quite hefty. a quite a package. So are you gonna, okay. I'm gonna. I, I've got it. <laughs> I will show you the package. It looks like this. But I'm going to open it from down here because there's really, just so much stuff in there. You just had surgery. You I know that was not good for the hernia. Um, this is it's probably a listing. Yeah, this is the customs form. I don't want to look at that because that would spoil the surprise of what's in here. And this was from? This is from Graham, the man, Vebke, the GW. Which I think he's in the house. You know, it's funny because when we say GW here, what do you mean? George Washington. Washington. Right. George they, I Washington. bet they don't think that in Australia. They probably have another famous GW, yeah. Graham Vebke. That's him. There's only two. First up, we have Arnott's. Bring out the biscuits. This is a biscuit tote. I mean, I've gone 37 years on this earth without a biscuit tote of my very own. So that's specifically for holding biscuits. It's always been one of my long-term goals now, to receive one of these. Now, biscuits are, what are those? Are, those have a different meaning. Right. What are, those are like so cookies, Biscuits right? are cookies, right. What right. are they called? Cookies? I mean, what are, what are biscuits called over there? Biscuits? They're... I don't know that they have biscuits in the way that we have biscuits, that like, a, a like a Tudor's biscuit. You, uh, I feel bad for you folks. Yeah. You don't have proper biscuits. Absolutely. In America, biscuits are like a breakfast food, mm-hmm. and and they're sort of like I don't know how. What would you how would you explain a biscuit? Someone who didn't know what it's one a was. very dense bread. That's right. Very it, dense. Usually, you butter it, sucker up, mm-hmm. maybe pick an egg. And it's on made there of lard to begin with. Yeah. And so the best ones are they're good eating. Yeah. Around absolutely. in West Virginia, we got a place called Tudor's Biscuit where it's world known. For, uh, it's biscuits. It's multitude. Even biscuits. Jennifer Garner, when listing the commonly known facts about West Virginia, mentioned Tudor's Biscuit yeah, World. They're good eating. All right, Aaron, it's time to party because the Tim Tams are back. Oh baby. boy! So Those are tremendous. Graham has once again graced us with some Tim Tams, which you cannot buy in the United States. I uh, I took some of those to work. And they were very popular. Well, and the I'm family gonna, liked them too. I'm going to tear into those toot sweet. Uh, we have more Tim Tams. We have the mint slice, which oh, we were not we were not uh, gifted the last That's time. That's my favorite. I love mint. Oh, do you mint. really? Oh, oh. Man, yeah. So this is this is not a Tam Tam. This is an Arnott's mint slice. It's a crunchy biscuit, velvety mint cream, and Arnott's real chocolate. Nice. nice. So I'll flip those around. Those are, those, read oh, along at I home. I bet those are really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're going to love this, Aaron, because yeah. it's back. It's the Licorice Bullets. <laughs> Dark chocolate coated. Now, you are you are a fan of the Licorice. I do, and I, yeah. I ate a, a ton of those things the last time. 
And I'll tell you, again, I took these to work. These, you know, I don't know. Do they have chocolate covered licorice in this country? I don't think I've, I've ever never seen, seen any. Licorice uh, not so big here. I like licorice. Mm-hmm. And the last time Graham sent us a care package out, it had these, and it also had these big, thick, like you could beat a man to death. These big wads <laughs> of super strong licorice, and I had those at work. And I swear to you, I ate on those for like. I mean, I don't know how long it's been since we got those, but I mean, it was forever. <laughs> and finally, I thought, these are too old. I should probably just toss what's left because there were so many. Well, you better be ready because <laughs> they're still coming. Next up, we've got Allen's. A little bit of fun since 1891. Intensely raspberry red skins. Oh, um, yeah. Sort of a non-PC name these days. Unless it? you're talking about potatoes. We are the hurricane red skins. We are. So it works out. Yeah. Oh, these look interesting. What do you think? There's like a taffy? I think it's probably a taffy, maybe like a now and later. Something okay. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So thank you for the red skins. And minties. It's moments like these that you need minties. Oh my. So uh, these look like uh, maybe like a chewable mint. Chewable mint. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. Thank you for that. Um, be good for our breath. It's still coming here. This is an Australia pencil pouch. You think the the boy might like oh, that? Oh yes, he loves kangaroo. We saw kangaroos when we went to the uh, that drive through zoo. Yeah, and it was storming, and it, and we saw kangaroos. There's a fence that you walk through, and on one side it was one kangaroo, and we thought the kangaroo had been sequestered over there. We mm-hmm. were, felt bad for the kangaroo. Then when the storm kicked up. Kangaroos were just leaping over both fences. <laughs> like they, he wasn't over there by himself. They just he could just go where he wants. These oh, things could okay. leap over free range kangaroo. And when you think about kangaroos, you're like, oh, they can hop. These things can freaking. These things they can, can bound. Jump, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, kid, I love that. Uh, love up that. next That's in great. the box of awesome, we have some um, Cadbury. Those are great. Uh, Caramello koalas. I, I do recall these from last yeah, time. Yeah, those are really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Caramello the koala again with the alliteration, British, British alliteration in their cartoon characters. They love it. All right. Even in Australia, we are well. Cadbury's a British company. Oh, we got a card here. Maybe I opened this from the wrong side. That is just what I do. There, look at this. Did I not call it? Graham, <laughs> Graham White's I thought that Luke might like this pencil case. He absolutely so there we go. I love that. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Hey, look. That's just like the... Don't look directly into that thing, man. Oh man. <laughs> that's like a bad trip right there. That is pretty wild, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, that's impressive. That's, I don't, this won't work on camera, but this is one of those gimmicks where you look there's depth to mm-hmm. it and stuff. Ooh, look at that. It's like your own little 3DS on a that's card. That's really cool. There you go. It says, hi, John and Aaron. Another small token from Australia. Thanks for making such great shows. Enjoy these treats and these Amiga magazines I found recently. Oh, boy. And P.S., can I get a magnet? Graham, you've earned it. Uh-huh. We're yeah. getting a magnet. <laughs> yeah. How does he not have one? I don't know. I, I don't know. That. Up next, we've got a roll of Arnott's Ginger Nut Biscuits. Okay. What do you think about those? What do you think about ginger? Hey, I'm more of a Marianne. Ah, I don't even know if Gilligan's Island made it to foreign shores. Everyone knows about Gilligan's Island. Are you kidding me? Aaron. It's our export to the world. I'm about to make your day. All right. Time for a new koozie. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to start drinking soda on this show just so we can have dual koozie action. Because you've, you've, you've koozied that with pride. I never so, do a show, and mm-hmm. you can ask both. I make him find That's right. 
he sits down, and if he if he doesn't see it, he's like, "Boat, where's my damn koozie?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Yes, sir, yes, sir," and I go get. Yeah, it. We don't even need the koozies anymore because we used to use them. Tell them why we used. To we use used them. to use them because we used to rest the microphone on the table, and Aaron would emphatically drive his drink down on the table when making a point. I get excited. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> and so, uh, with awesome. the new koozie, we can do anything. That's awesome. Now, yeah, you need to get aboard the koozie express here. Now, Aaron. If you thought the licorice was bizarre, we've already reached peak licorice limit. Yeah. You haven't seen anything yet because these are licorice straps. Not only can you eat these, you can tie things down to your car with these things. Kinky. Yeah, yeah. Licorice straps. Oh, these those are, look pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it almost looks like beef jerky in licorice form. So. Um, I will say, Graham knows exactly what I'm into. I love me some licorice. <laughs> I really do. I just love it. That's my... And, I, and I, like, I, most people don't like black licorice. I'm, I'm, I am one of the few people you in America. You are. You, Tony Kornheiser, it. also likes black Me licorice. Me and Tony. Yeah. I, I, but yeah. I hate to watch the Redskins. Go figure. Yeah. Wilbon hates it. Um, so we got Cadbury. This is more caramello. This is the non-kids version because it doesn't feature caramello, the koala. <laughs> um, but it does Cadbury Cocoa Life. So this is, this is. I mean, it's more goodness. Man. That looks, is that got some sort of that's got heft. center? That's got heft. Oh, God, I bet that's tremendous. And finally, we have two more bags. That's the stuff. <laughs> yes, that's the stuff. That's the stuff right there. The Darnell Lee, or I'm sorry, Daryl Lee. This Darnell is, is, is a, a West ones. Virginian name. Uh, Daryl Lee Fresh Batch 37. Are those the little ones or the big ones? Yeah, these, these ones? are, they're, yeah. well, they're the, I'd say oh, they're. Yeah, those are good size, yeah. yeah. It's like a like a Slim Jim size. Oh, man, just smell it. Yeah, yeah, it you, you, Do you like room. black licorice? I don't, so you're free to take all of this. Are you kidding You're me? free to take all of it. I will take the Caramello, though. Man, I, my, my buddy at work will be happy because we ran out. Okay. And all the people at work will be very pleased. Next up, we've got some magazines Holy here. Holy smirk, now those. Okay. Now we, those are American magazines. Yeah, right hold, hold these up here. This is Amiga World. And these are from uh, the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Um, I used to have a subscription to this. And I believe this is, is this one? Oh, no, this is full color. This is a... Uh, yeah, these were these were expensive magazines, oh, man. Too. Look at that ad for Windwalker. Yeah, That's look at that, that geek. No, but nobody, will, nobody will hesitate to buy a title with an ad like that. <laughs> man, these are, these are nice. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you, it's funny. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the, on the show. I, I may have. But I used to have a subscription to Amiga World. And I had a good several years run of these, and I kept all my magazines because you know how I am. And I also would go to the store and buy the European mags, mm -hmm. the uh, uh, you know Amiga Power and Amiga One, stuff like that. So I had a good collection of those, and I had a crapload of old Coco magazines too. When I moved out of one of my houses, I'd forgotten that I'd put all those magazines in the loft, and so when I moved out, I forgot about them. And as far as I know, they could still be up there. You know? One day we ought to film a special trip to your old home. It's Late at night, <laughs> and we'll just silently creep into the room. I did where have the a dream one were. time that I broke into my old house to get those. I kid you not. This is a long time ago. I don't think I got the guts, but I could call the people. But I'm sure they. I'm sure that by now they've gotten into the law. Yeah, probably so. It has been what you know. It's, it's been a while. It's been it's been eighteen seventeen <laughs> years. Yeah. And finally, Graham. Man, these are going to be fun to read. Has included four issues of the Australian Amiga Review. I like reading. I'll, I've, we've got some of these from Graham before, and again, it's now those look like older. Man. Yeah, these uh, these are these are definitely older. Look um, in the back of that. It's your old cat. Oh yeah, my first uh, arcade but, game. But uh, much like the European mags that I get on, I use most of the ones I look online. But there's a couple that people have sent us. It's it's sort of sad to watch them speculate about what's going to happen in the future because mm -hmm. you know how. Look at this. Is. This is in a review of. Uh, 
one point three. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that is incredibly old. Yeah. Eh? Yeah. So thank oh, you so thank much, you, Graham. Graham. And finally, um, Graham has included. Uh, this looks like it was from one of his children. A little <laughs> a little note for Luke. Oh boy. Very good. I will definitely. He'll be very excited when I get home. Yeah. Because he we sent uh, we sent Graham a little package a while back with stuff and Luke. Luke felt like he had a little pen pal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Graham. Thank That's you so much. Nice of you, man. Man, we're going to eat good tonight. Oh, man. I can't wait for and the end of the show too, now. We just, just start going See you next over. time, folks. Adios. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Aaron, the train's rolling into the station. I'm talking about the gamble train. The gamble train. Fire it's it up, man. Trine, it's rolling in. Chugging and smoking. All right, news this week, the big news. You know what the big news is, Bo? What is the big news this the week? Big, really, actually, the big news is there's a lot of... I don't usually cover games that are that are not released. Right. That's my sort of my thing. But I can tell you that I saw a lot of games in pre-release form that I'll be covering very soon, and, and there's a lot of good-looking stuff coming out. So there's a little... Little uh, uh, teaser for shows to come. Uh, some of the stuff that none of it was, is available currently, but we did have some interesting news. I will start off the uh, news segment here with a with a post that you put up this week. You were a crazy eight bonkers little news hat. I was, this week. I was. And tell us about this uh, Kipper Two K uh, Cherry MX keyboard story, boat. So you know these days. Um Mechanical keyboards are all the rage. I've got one, and it's awesome. I might add, it's the it's the best. It's a, it's great. I love them. Okay, I now do you, my PC. do you have one of the old IBM Model M keyboards? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so those are, you know, those are a perennial favorite. But these days, people are getting mechanical keyboards with new micro switches. There's different feels of micro switches. It's crazy out there. And why not include the Amiga in this latest computing fad? Um, this is, this is an entirely new keyboard with micro switches on it. That you slot in, it is a, you, I mean, you basically get this green board, you plug it in, and you're ready to go. Um, you can put, it makes perfect sense because now you've got the new case from Kickstarter. Right. You've got the new keycaps from Kickstarter. Yeah. Why not just have the whole new keyboard? So this does not, does this, it doesn't come with keycaps? It does not come with keycaps. Now, could you use your old keycaps you on can, it? I, I, I assume you could, right? Since the new ones fit the old keyboard. I, I think you could. Now, you and could. this fits in the original keyboard slot, eh? Right. Well, isn't right. that clever? I wouldn't. I, it's it's so simple. I wouldn't even never thought about it. But what a great idea! Yeah, it made me wonder how many uh, other retro computers have um, replacement keyboards. Like there can't be that many. You know, Amiga fans <laughs> are some of the most likely to upgrade their machines of any sort of classic yeah. system. I, I think. will say this. Uh, released in their era, right, unlike the Amiga, uh, I know for a fact that the Atari uh, 400 had her keyboard mm. replacement because I've owned one. Very true. Very and true. the Coco uh, 1 had her keyboard replacement because its keyboard was god-awful. Mm -hmm. uh, so there were some that had them. Yeah. Uh, the, Those the, are great points. I didn't think about the, that. The Atari 400 keyboard uh, replaces its membrane offering, and you'll re you've probably used those in the past. I'm mm -hmm. sure you've seen them at least. Um, yeah, they were crap. Right, and uh, I have I've repaired my own uh, yes, membrane yeah, on the yeah. 1200 XL. Um, it's already started to go That's again. That's got a membrane keyboard, the XL, the 1200. No, no, XL? no, no. Underneath the keyboard, 
there is a thin plastic membrane that's oh, got the traces yeah. on it. I'm talking about the actual top of the keyboard on the 400. Yeah, 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 yeah. Flat, you know, right. membrane keyboard. Right. Yeah, that was the first time I'd ever <laughs> seen that when you when you got those uh, 400s or when you got that 400 that had the replacement yeah, keyboard. And Very those cool. Keyboards are they are they're tall. They sit tall in the mm-hmm. saddle on those things, but they they seem to be pretty effective. Uh, but uh, and I don't know if that replaces the actual underlying keyboard or just sets on top of. What well, used to be the old keyboard, I'm not sure. The Coco was a, is a replacement as well. Again, it had horrible those chiclet keys mm-hmm. that everyone hates. It makes me wonder if the PC Junior ever got a, uh, a replacement. You know, the PC Junior, as I recall, had a, a an infrared keyboard that mm-hmm. it shipped with. Mm-hmm. And I believe you had to have an adapter to put a proper keyboard oh, on so it. So all you need to do, you could buy a keyboard off the shelf I with think an adapter. So. I'm okay. pretty sure it came uh, with an infrared keyboard and an infrared mouse. And if you've ever used infrared peripherals, they crap. Yeah. They no good. And it's funny because in what kind of world would you be sitting so far away from your from your PC Junior that you need the infrared keyboard? You well, know? listen, no one likes wires. And and having wire hey listen, I had uh infrared controllers for my twenty six hundred. Now I sold these things because they were garbage. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were. I don't know if you ever seen the twenty six hundred. Oh yeah, it's very tall. Just like very a twenty six hundred stick, except there were this deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it took. And they were heavy because you had mm-hmm. all those batteries in them. And then you ha- you hooked them up, and you had and you had antennas that stuck out of them too. It was a real, real goofy. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but it was old. You know, so it was sort of the dream. Everyone wants that, but you know, really, and I heard the PC Junior one's not that good either. But so, but this is a great idea. And the good thing about it is, on the Amiga, the keyboard, uh, that board's really easy to pop right out of there, and you can just pop another one in. I love it. I love it. It's a great idea. Did, did it have a price on these? Uh, no price on that that I have could they, see. Have they released yet? Um, let's see. Well, it says for the price, so... Prototype. Prototype. There you go. Um, so, just this is on scroll- Kipper 2K's page. Yeah, so a- scrolling down through here. They never make the price real, real easy to find. Um, this is yeah, Kipper2K.com. If you if you look that we up, look, you we'll can, look into it for next week. We, I'll I'll look and see. If, I mean, we'll see if they're going to ship these or not because it's a prototype, so right. you never know. Yeah. Still, I think that's kind of neat though. Yeah. I, I, I saw that. And I was like, man, what a great idea. Mm. And that's something that I can see get easier to replicate than like a motherboard. For Absolutely. Um, so moving on, uh, this one uh, for me, uh, and I just happened to uh, see this this week during the course of my daily travels. Uh, football games, 35 years of, of the beautiful game, part one. Uh, this was on uh, funstockretro.co.uk. And uh, if you look down through here, uh, you're going to see some Commodore offerings uh, pretty much right out of the gate. I saw uh, uh, one of the things I saw right away was like was international games or something like that and mm-hmm. kickoffs yeah. in there. So it's everything you would expect to see, and I'm sure some stuff. Now, uh, newsflash, soccer ain't our bag. But that said, you know, we know some of these games, and some of this stuff we uh, uh, would recognize. By the way, I didn't realize that that 3DO had a port of that soccer game that just went past. We'll have to try that out sometimes, too. Absolutely. 3DO soccer. <laughs> I got two sticks for it, too, so that might be kind of fun. But there's a lot of good stuff on there. A lot of consoles and computers are well represented. This is part one. I don't know how many parts you're going to do. I don't think I've ever linked anything off funstock.co.uk. Yeah. I, I, are that, don't they sell stuff on there, Bo, if I'm not mistaken? Isn't that their well, work? you know, I immediately would have thought that, but it looks like this is, maybe this is their blog. Um, because, uh, okay, what if I go back here and just take a look at this like this? Yes, they are a retail site. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure I've heard them uh, pitched on another 
podcast or mm-hmm. something. And maybe they sponsor somebody, but good for them. Hey, I like that stuff. Everyone likes a good countdown or right. whatnot. So, so, <laughs> um, let's see what we've got next here, boat. Um, let's go with uh, this is a, dr- a dream catcher offering, and I saw this and I uh, thought this was rather amusing. He's got a video up. It is. Uh, the idol animations from video games. Did you look flip through this at all? Uh, and I know it's funny. I would have never thought to do this. To be honest with you, uh, it, he you know when you don't can move your character, you just they do something sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't do nothing. Uh, and uh, <laughs> what uh, was uh, Huckleberry Hound's idol animation like in his oh, Amiga? Boy, I don't remember. To be honest, <laughs> he didn't with really you. really have an octave animation. I was going to say his, <laughs> his running and jumping animation were like a series of one or two frames <laughs> of, of of that sort of thing. Uh, so uh, there you go with that. Now one more from Dream, Dreamcatcher, which just that just slipped past me. I don't think we talked about it, but I, I saw it when I was looking through our page. Um, BBC Radio Twos, which we don't get BBC Radio Two here. We so. don't get BBC Radio, any. right? Well, I mean, well, I guess we could get it, but we don't list it. Uh, anyway, uh, Jeremy Vine and Barbara Want discuss the benefits of growing up without the uh, zombifying influence of video games. I listened to just a smidge of this, and it's it's quite interesting. There are two different uh, viewpoints, and the, and the lady's son is on there as well to kind of chime in. Pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So if if uh, uh, if you think that might sound like something fun for you, there you go. Give that one a whirl. Um, site news wise, let me see if I got anything else. Oh wait, there's a couple things we haven't talked about here. Uh, new game alert. This one came in, and this came in uh, just after, uh, just over the wire from our last show. Uh, I don't think we talked about it. Uh, from Chris Fold, it's Mini Legion. Did we talk about Mini Legion yet? Because I don't think I saw it until after our last show. Uh, if, yes, we did talk about it last week. Okay, well then it, it's, uh, whoops. Uh, uh, I don't remember it, to be honest with you, but I was a little ill, so it might have <laughs> slipped under my uh, unconscious gaze. Uh, the only other thing I've got, uh, we've got two other things, really. Uh, Boat had a, a big, long play of today's game. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to watch him... Uh, struggle, stumble through the dark, and understand, yeah. and then prosper to a certain extent. Uh, and uh, it was you went up about an hour and forty minutes, yeah. I believe. Yeah, though. quite a, quite a stream. I had a good crew in the good chat crew. helping me along. So. Yes, I, I, I wish that crew would have been available uh, uh, to, uh, for me. <laughs> but if you want to watch that, that that one is. I don't know if I've got that linked up yet or not, but it's 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 out there. I'll link it up. It'll be on the Google Plus. And uh, lastly, um, if you're an ARG guy or you're a fan of the atari st me and the brent this week took a look at a couple atari st games uh we looked at slap fight the stupid name the good name alcon and we also looked at super i had to look closely to make sure i got this right super stario land right this one i mean again i'm not an st guy i'm assuming if you're an st guy this is known to you but I was stunned and amazed to play this game, and I was irritated that the Ami doesn't have something. I mean, this is impressive, uh, and it's on an ST. Yeah. You got to give them credit, it, uh, and it, this shows the potential of what could have been done. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. And, uh, and with a Super Mario title, it was. I was pretty impressed with it. I have to say, and of course, leave it to Brent to uh, to to dig this thing out of the. God knows where he picked it up because he knows less about the ST than we do, Boat. But he he pulled it off. All right, and we got one more little piece of news for you. <laughs> what do we got? Well, uh, 
this January, Aaron. Oh yes, you I might you might have heard that. about Amiga Ireland. I uh, did hear we, about that. Since we started doing the podcast, we've had an open invitation from uh, Jarlith and the boys over at Amiga Ireland for us to come to the Emerald Isle, experience its hidden treasures, and play its Amiga games. They've always been very nice to us. They have they, since I think the very first year we did this, we got mm-hmm. an invitation. Yeah, We're very nice guys. And so uh, this year, uh, spurred on by our Amigos uh, Discord channel. Um, Several people suggested to me that we should do a uh, GoFundMe to try and get us over there. And so I said, hey, Aaron, let's go to Ireland. And you said... I can't go to Ireland. <laughs> and I Sorry. said... Oh. I've got, I've got uh, things that, that restrict me to the States for now. Not criminal things, but just like family-related stuff. Your manager is afraid to leave the country. The Mahu? Your manager is afraid to leave no, the country. No, so. no, no, no. It's, you know, you don't know. What I'm, I'm talking about. The, I'm talking about Colonel Parker and Elvis. That's why he he never left the. Is that what it was? Yeah, that's why he never left. Because he wasn't a U.S. citizen. Did Elvis never play overseas anywhere? No, after the army, he wanted to go back overseas so bad, and he never went because really? his, his manager wouldn't leave the country because he they wouldn't let him back in because he wasn't a citizen. Real? Where was Ron Parker from? Holland. Oh, you're blowing my mind. Yeah. I didn't know any of this. This is information for life, folks. You don't get this. You don't get this on any other retro gaming podcast. Where have I been? I don't know, man. Good for you. That almost makes all this worthwhile just knowing that. (laughs) But anyway, we've uh, (laughs) we've started up this uh, GoFundMe page to get to get, I guess, just me to go to uh, to go to Amiga Ireland. Um, You know, I I never want to ask people for money. But if you feel like if you're going to Amiga Ireland and you want to help me get over there, uh, that would be super awesome because uh, it's not cheap. You know, travel from the States, travel within the States, not that expensive, not that expensive. Once you leave these golden shores, the price tag goes up quite a bit, especially when you leave in a rather rural place like we do. We got to fly somewhere just to get anywhere to get out of this yeah, country. Can you, you can't even fly internationally from our airport. No, we can barely <laughs> fly nationally from our airport. Can you airport. imagine? Our airport, we can't, you, can, you can't, I mean, people avoid our airport at all costs, right. basically. <laughs> it's, it's a flat, they took a mountain, they shaved off the top, and they threw a, a, a very small tarmac down it's a bland here and yeah. that's what people do yeah and if you don't land there you actually go off the runway and off the side of the mountain as planes sometimes you, just do just for fun look up Jaeger Airport Charleston West Virginia on your Google Maps sometime and just have a look at it and th- pretend you're flying a plane to it <laughs> it's, it, it is a harrowing t- I've never flown in and out of there because I always drive somewhere else yeah so put yeah. in perspective yeah, yeah well it's uh yeah so anyway um it is uh GoFundMe uh if you just search for Send the Amigos to Amiga Ireland, then you can you can find our page. All right, Aaron, it's time. It's time to dive deep, dive, deep, dive. deep. Way, we're going to go back to the past, back to <laughs> the early. It's hard to believe this is only 100 years ago. You know, 1914 to 1918, 100 years ago, we were just coming out of this First World War. It is, it is sort of wacky, isn't it? It is. It's not that wacky. It's just, it's interesting. Um... So this week, the uh, illustrious uh, Amigos Game Committee chose for us to take a look at History Line, 1914 to 1918. Uh, and honestly, I've never, never looked at this. I'd heard of it, but I never looked at it. Um, this came out in 93. was on seven floppies. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot of floppies. Did you know that? I had no idea <laughs> where that were that many. Yeah. This was developed and published by the same outfit, which was Blue Byte. Mm-hmm. All right, 
I, I like Blue Byte. I'll get into Blue Byte in a little bit in a minute. But they did a bunch of games uh, that, that we've looked at uh, at least one or two of these. They did a game called, they did the entire Battle Isle series. Uh, which I, apparently is of some renown, and it's, People love it's that very series. similar. This game is sort of built on the same engine, mm-hmm. a tweaked version, right? They also did uh, the Great Courts series of tennis games. Now I'm telling you right now, I love Great Courts too. I think it's it's one of, it's one of my all time favorite tennis I, games. At first, my, when you said that, I thought it was some sort of like courtroom <laughs> simulation, like through uh-huh. the ages, like visit the old Bailey from 1500. No, no, it's like a really good tennis game yeah. that I, I used to play quite a bit. They did the Pro Tennis Tour series, and they also did Settlers. Oh, yeah. And I, and I can't yeah. recall the German, Dusseto, De, what I can't remember. Oh, I think that was it. Oh, that's not it, is it? That sounds more French. And they did a Tom and the Ghost. Which, Tom and the Ghost. Tom and the Ghost. I don't know. Did that. we cover that on one of our Halloween episodes? <laughs> I don't remember it. Mm. I'll be honest with you. Uh, Blue Bite, of course, is a, is a German uh, uh, outfit. Uh, so... They're kind of interesting. This is kind of an interesting bunch here. Uh, this was a Blue Bite was founded in '88 uh, by a fellow named Thomas Hertzier and another fellow named Lothar Schmidt. That's it. I love the name Lothar. Lothar. I believe it's the great. Red Baron's brother was named Lothar. Wasn't he? I could be it's wrong. More there. information for life. Um, so, of course, like I said, they they actually uh, came up with the Settler series. Uh, the uh, uh, of course they are out of Germany. And they, they started their business. They basically spun off of uh, Rainbow Arts. They basically left Rainbow Which Arts. Which is the Turrican company, That's right? That's right. And so it's, and then they founded Blue Bite. So uh, the first the first game they ever released was Great Quartz 1, which is not bad. In 80, and uh, it was released in 89. And then uh, they their big first bid success was Battle Isle, like we mentioned. And apparently that was a runaway hit. Uh, and it was inspired by a Japanese game for the PC Engine called Nectaris. I'm, I've never heard of that one. Sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, of course, then they followed that up. By the way, it was D. It was D. Seidler. Yeah. That's what Seidler. Uh, they followed that up with the Settlers, and that was a super big hit for them. And then they had a bunch of other titles that came, you know, came and went, including this one. And they tried like Gangbusters to get in the American market, but it just didn't. I mean, they didn't happen really. Uh, they published some of their stuff through Accolade. It didn't happen that much. But eventually, in that 95, uh, they opened a North American office. They're ba- and they started basically porting all their Battle Island stuff over. It got popular. And eventually, they moved from Chicago to Austin, Texas. And lo and behold, in January 2001, uh, they were acquired by Ubisoft. There's another company acquired by Ubisoft. And uh, I guess, for, hence, that from then on, they pretty much worked on their popular series. I don't know... I. Uh, I don't know if they're still releasing these Battle Isles because I didn't look into it that much, but I, maybe they are. I don't know. Do you know anything about Battle Isles? Nothing, what, what I just read. I think that this was the last game in the Battle Isles series. I think there were no, no, no. It no. wasn't. This isn't in the Battle Isles series. This is this was going to be its own series. Hence the name. So if you look at the name, uh, History Line. Mm-hmm. Speculation is that History Line was going to be a series of history related oh, games. Okay, okay. And like I said, this is sort of the. Uh, moderately tweaked Battle Isle engine. Again, not having not played Battle Isle, I don't know how tweaked or the similarities, but apparently it's also a turn-based uh, <clears throat> game. And I don't know, like I said, I thought maybe you heard about something on the console. So I, don't, I, don't, I don't know much about Battle Isle. But no, I, I don't think it made it over to the consoles, at least here. That was their bread and butter. Uh, it's funny, looking through the uh, looking through the book on this, this thing was made to play on any Amiga, and it, uh, they were very pleased to say that. So it'll run 1.2, 1.2, 1.2. Wow, 5.12? 
Uh, I, I, I don't know. If it, I, I didn't. Look I think you've got. I think you've got to have. You got to have at least one Meg to make this. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, of course, uh, in case you were wondering from the name, uh, this is a War War. That's hard to say. World mm-hmm. War One uh, turn-based strategy game uh, uh, that takes place. Uh, that they sort of, from what I read, uh, these guys, and I, I don't know if you, did you read the documentation, just the full docs? Mm-hmm. So you read the blurb about their, what they said about war games and stuff. They One of the things that they were worried about when they made this game is how it would be perceived, because they are a German company. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they go out of their way in the manual to say, listen, uh, we're looking at this as an educational uh, an entertainment tool. War is horrible. It's a horrible thing. That I they didn't want to glorify war in any way. Uh, there's nothing grotesque in the game. There's no glorification of war in the game. They're very. And this is sort of a. a I've talked to some other Germans about this, and of course we've played the Germans. This is sort of a. a there. That's a thing in Germany. They don't want to glorify violent war. Well, they, that's they, no they, good. They've got that in their recent past. You yeah. Know, well, they, I mean, yeah. listen. Probably something that everyone should pick out. Not yeah. necessarily a good idea to make it look like fun or glamorous yeah. or, or or you know whatever. But I mean that is that that is what it is. War never been so much fun. Yeah. Well, even that game didn't glorify. You well, yeah, like a it's, jerk, it's, it's right? the opposite. You know, it's so the idea. Uh, this was released in the USA. Maybe you've heard of this as, and guess who re- they released it? SSI. Remember SSI? They released a lot of. Uh, the, I think they did the gold box stuff. They were a board game company okay. eventually. Did, didn't ring a bell. SSI. Mm-hmm. Uh, Strategic Simulations Incorporated. I think what it stood for. Anyway, over here it was released as Great War. Uh, 1914. A better name, to be honest with you. History Line, well, it depends. If they were going to, if this was going to be a series, History Line's okay. Putting, it's not hi- timeline, putting it's not the history. name History in a game is not going <laughs> to win you any buyers. Eh, I didn't have a problem with the name. I'll be honest with you. So, this takes place through various battles. Uh, it uh, And it says here it was, it was uh, um, the engine it used was the 1993 Battle Isle engine. So, I, don't, I, I guess that was the first or second. I'm not 100% sure, to be honest with you. Uh, the game you let, the game starts in August of 1914, and you pick either the French or German side, uh, and and you go from there. Um, who did you who did you pick to start off? I don't, I don't even remember. I think you, did you pick? I think you picked France I picked in the France. game I watched. Yeah, I always picked France, but it's nothing against Germany. It's just that was you know. I just they were France. on our side. Well, yeah. so my loyalties run deep, Aaron. Do they? Oh. Man, I like, I, the, like the ocean. I like the French and the Germans. They're both fine. And you, one thing we can't do, well, we shouldn't do ever, is hold any past aggressions against anybody yeah. hundreds of years ago. Well, <laughs> because, you know, we've got such a sterling track That's record ourselves point. here That's in the United exactly States. That's exactly what my point yeah. was. Uh, so, Boat... Uh, uh, you had a, a much better grasp of the game as a strategist yourself. Why don't you uh, give us a little insight on like the various strategies okay, so you used to play this, this game? Is, this, for, for those of you that have not played this game, or maybe you've never played any turn-based tactical game before, mm-hmm. um, this is a whole genre of games that is based off of by and large, the Avalon Hill series of war games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that there were war games before Avalon Hill, but th- these games borrow heavily for what they were trying to do, where you basically have um, a hex-based map, and you have you move units around on this map, and each unit has a certain amount of power, and um, you know it take, they, they take damage, they give damage, depending on the terrain that affects things. 
And what these games have done is they've basically taken that structure and made it so you don't have to do any of the math. Um, the first turn-based uh, tactical game that I could find online was uh, a game called Panzer Strike. And this was a game that came out on the Apple II and the C64 back in 87. And that was that one from Avalon Hill? And uh, no, these are these were all games that were by other other companies. No, so Avalon Hill, just to get straight, they were a board game. They were a board game company. A strategy game. But they ended up, they did release some PCs. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, maybe Panzer Strike was an Avalon Hill game. I don't know. Um, but this, but Panzer Strike, the thing that was different about it was that it is not hex-based. You only have sort of up, down, left, right movement. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a more simplified thing. But the, the great thing about these games is you don't necessarily have to have a, have a whole lot of graphical power to, to make something like this work. Yeah. Uh, the computer is really good at crunching numbers. And so um, it was very successful on the Apple II. Um, like you said, you know, this game hails more from the, the battle aisle, you know, part of the tree, which gives you the hexes. And this this kind of found its full fruition, you know, in series like this. And it, it continues even to this day on the PC with the games like uh, like UFO and XCOM and things like that. Um, of course, those are more sci-fi based, but it's the same kind of combat. You know, it's all turn-based and everything like that. Um, my personal history of these types of games actually is on the console side. I know that shocks you. That my history in the gaming uh, genre you, might come from the console. When you told me, I asked Bud, I'm like, Bud, I'm struggling with this. What do you go? Oh man, if you play Advance Wars, you're in business. I was like, <laughs> right. So I played when I uh, first bought a Game Boy Advance uh, in 2000. Three or two thousand four. Uh, the first game that I bought was Advance Wars, Advance Wars Two, and um, <laughs> it is um, a game very similar to this. But again, it's not hex based. It's only up, down, left, right movement. So there's you're 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 more limited on what you can do. Um, but anyway, it gave me some sort of a framework that I could use to play this game. And of course, if you've ever played Final Fantasy Tactics, have you played that before? Are you kidding? Ogre Battle? That's like a nightmare for me. <laughs> Final Fantasy combined with a tactical game? No. And of course, uh, the new hotness these days is, did you ever play FTL? No. Okay, your brother was obsessed with FTL for a while. It is not a turn-based That's strategy game. That's not that game. thing where you're in the desert, is no, it? No, no, okay. this, is, this, is, this is something else. Um, but anyway, the guys that made FTL have a new game. It's a mech tactical game called Into the Breach. And um, and so these games remain popular to this day. You know, now that I think about it, it's I ha- I play a lot of, uh, well, I used to play a lot of Mech War, the Mech Warrior, the board game. Mm-hmm. And it was exactly like this. Yes. Uh, now I think about it. Yeah. Your movement phase, mm-hmm. your combat phase, it, it moved it, guys on a hex map. It's no different. It's, it's, now, that I, now I think about it, I feel sort of like an idiot. But yeah, it's exactly <laughs> the same. So I guess I have played these games on the board game variety. And you've done, and it's harder to play them on board games because you're doing all the calculations That's yourself. That's true. So this game uh, opens. This game, the more I played it, the more I consider it to be the thinking man's wings. Um, it's a World War One simulation. It's got beautiful cutscenes. The opening it's got, scene was very yeah, informative. Yeah. Holy smoke! It's got a storyline. Now, it's not as personal as the Wings storyline, right. where it's a diary. But you you see things happen throughout the war. This is more like if Wings was a film. This is a documentary. Yeah, that's that's right? that's probably in the good, opening. Yeah. It literally starts with with a with a. It just starts rolling text at you. Text. Then it talks about Archduke Ferdinand. Uh, it shows the scene. Him driving down the street, he makes the turn, he gets assassinated, mm-hmm. and, and it's already shown you why all these alliances have caused this war to happen. And the main, and I like the last part of that where it just says, pretty much says, 
everyone was prepared, ready to go to war anyway. They wanted to. They wanted an excuse. And so, and and but you know, that, a lot of people don't know anything about the First World War or how it started. And it really, it's not easy to understand the the way it started was incredibly bizarre. Yeah. You know. So, but th- it does a good job. I, though I'm not sure I would go with the the. the Smart guys, wings. But I mean, like I said, it's a, it's a wings is a fun kind of an actiony game. This, but this is definitely more of a documentary. But it does give you that a good hard information to mm-hmm. start off with. That's for sure. Yeah. So in this game, you're presented with a scenario, and uh, the scenario, the first thing, the first mission, and this might be true of, of all the missions, is is to capture enemy HQ. You know, and so um, this is a split screen title, which is different than a lot of other tactics games. A lot of other tactics games, because it's turn based, you can show, you know, when it's your turn, you see your guys. When it's not your turn, well, usually there's a fog of war and you don't see what the enemy's doing until they're closer, but um, you don't necessarily have to have a split screen. However, in this game, the way that the phases work, you and your buddy can actually take turns at the same time, and of course they resolve in a turn-based fashion. Yeah. Um, but that's 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 why they do that, and it's pretty cool. It's it makes it's very much like a board game. Yeah. Because in a board game, you'd see what was going on too. You would know what was happening. Right. And I've played these tactical style board, like the Mech Wars, a good example, where you you know what he's doing, you know, and it it's the uh, it's a movement phase and a combat phase. And the split screen actually, it, to me, it felt console-y in a way. Didn't it, it did. It did really. And and this was designed for you to play two. Player, um, there is a joystick interface, which I was not expecting at all. When you look at a game like this, you think it's going to be mouse and keyboard, um, but they've got it set up to where your buddy can be on the keyboard and you can be on the joystick. Yeah. Um, one thing that was different about this game than any other tactics game that I've played is that the movement phase and the combat phase are distinct. Um, normally, you move and then you swing. You know, and in this game, everybody moves and then you swing and then your opponent swings. Yeah. And so uh, that took a while to to get a, get a handle on, um, and that was probably the biggest learning curve for me in this game. Was even after you know I had the manual open on my second screen, <laughs> just figuring out exactly how the phases of the turns worked um, yeah. was was difficult for me. And, and be aware of that if you're if you're coming into this for the first time, just know that you know it's all contextualized based on what you see when you press the joystick button and you push a direction, you'll get a symbol. Another thing, this is, uh, you know, you can tell that this game was developed by the Settlers people because there's no text in this game at all. And again, there's pluses to that. It's really easy to make an international release of this version. Um, But the minus is is that sometimes it's just nice to have a word telling you what something does. The only text there really is is when you, if you click on one of your units or your base and get what's going on. It'll like mm-hmm. get the, you know what I'm saying, get the thing that comes up that tells you the what's... The info screen. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That, that's written out there. Yeah. That's the only place. And so, um, but, you know, when I played this, you know, I was going along, I was able to maneuver my units in a way that I thought was cool. Um, when you go into battle against an enemy, you get uh, a really well done cutscene. Again, this game is very sort of cinema wear in its in its scope. So the battle, um, the battle, yeah, the battle scenes, the bunkers, mm-hmm. and the, like, yeah. You see the terrain that you're on. You see the terrain <laughs> your enemies on. It shifts to a behind the back, you know, perspective. You have no control over this part of the game. You were just watching it play so out. It unfurls what you've done. It reminds me sort of a. Uh, uh, they, uh, what was that Civil War game that we we both panned? But it that was kind of similar. Uh, what you know, the North, North, and, North South? and South. Remember they had the little they'd have the little battles play out. Oh yeah, yeah, out. yeah. I guess there's some of that in there. I didn't think about that. Um, but uh, the game, the the overworld map, uh, 
shows you a lot. Uh, it actually is is pretty well done in terms of like showing you where you can move. In terms of like, it doesn't just. Uh, First of all, I was expecting it to, you were just going to have to do it by trial and error and it wouldn't let you move past a certain number of spaces, but it actually blacks out where you can't move. So you only see where you can, which is very, very helpful. Yeah, I like um, that. You have, you can get information about any one of your units, you know, with the click of a button and a move of the mouse. Uh, as your units get damaged, you can see the hit points and things like that. It's got like a status bar. Right. Yeah. Uh, there are depots scattered about the, 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 the map where you can go and you can heal, you can repair your units. Um, the one thing that I didn't realize is that I was like, well, where, cause you've got this unit called energy and depending on the amount of energy you have, you can do different things. You can create new units, you can repair units and the energy is supplied just by the, the depot existing. It just gets fueled up with new energy every single turn. Um, I was not able to successfully create any units. I was also not able to successfully move <laughs> units out of the depot once I put them in there. Um, so I don't know what I was doing wrong, but that's just one of the, the, the problems that I had with this game. Again, this is one of those games, uh, and I always say this, but uh, to be completely full disclosure, uh, trying to figure this out in, uh, in less than a week's time, I, it was a lot of me scratching my head. And it, it was only in the last couple of days where I could figure out how to do anything. I was just perplexed. And I finally read the, book, read the book and watched Boat's game, and I picked up it up to where I could get by. But there are a lot of the um, more intricate details of the game that I've completely lost on me. This is one, and I've read other people mention that this is not the easiest game to pick up and play. Some people think it's pretty easy, but for someone like myself, I had I struggled mightily with it. And I can basically do the basic stuff. I can move my units around uh, and uh, and get in position. I will say I like the uh, I didn't like it at first, but the interface once you understand what the heck's going on, it's pretty good. Uh, you get a, you basically hold your button down and you move a joystick and it'll, a little symbol will appear mm -hmm. and it'll be a, it's either an overworld map or, or a movement or a, uh, an attack, uh, and, or information and you, and you can basically let go of the button on that and it's, and it, that's what you pick. It, like I said, at first I was just completely befuddled as to what I was doing you got to read the book. Mm -hmm. This isn't one of those. This isn't like double drag or something. <laughs> we just start off. And just, I'm going to roll in and say, I mean, I'll, I'll turn this thing on. I just sat there with a dumb look on my face. Uh, but uh, that end up, the interface worked pretty well uh, on it. And once you understand how the turns, the, altern the alternating turns work, that mm -hmm. gets you a long way, like you said, uh, to understand it. I agree with you in terms of the movement. I thought it was pretty well spelled out. You just can't, you don't move into the dark. You can stay in the light areas that are highlighted. And you're good there. Uh, the cutscenes were okay. I mean, it wasn't anything super special, but it was okay. It was, I, they didn't have to put anything. Yeah, they could have just put nothing. Right. So it's better than nothing. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's you know. And I actually thought they were. I thought that they were better than okay. I mean, I would put them up there with anything Cinemaware has ever done. Oh no, God no! You talk about when the soldiers like yeah. play a bunker, for example. Yeah. There's nothing going on. There's you nothing going on in the Cinemaware games no, either. It's just a pretty picture you're with just, a couple things listen, moving around. You're just trolling Cinemaware. I'm, I'm ignoring you. I watched uh, some playthroughs of this. Uh, you know, some of these playthroughs went on for hours and hours, but I'd watch, try to get a, a feel for the game. Uh, I like that when you uh, when you advance to a, the next scenario, you'll get uh, like a uh, like a cutscene, basically, which is cool, mm -hmm. more history stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, is it educational? Yeah, I think it pretty much would be. I mean, if, yeah, I don't think the game itself is going to recreate these battles to a T, obviously, but. Uh, you get much like wings. If you read, the, if you watch the in between moments, 
they give you a nice feel for what's happening. Uh, again, it's more it's more uh, uh, antiseptic than wings is. There's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of color to it, but mm-hmm. I mean. It, it's far more detailed. Yeah, I actually, what happened. I actually think this game could have been improved if they would have gone the wings route and put you in the role of somebody in, in one of these battles and showed their their diary saying, today we're going out to the front, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, make it, you know, even though you're you're controlling this whole army, just knowing that one of the guys in this battle, you're hearing from him. That wouldn't have made it cool. I think they didn't do that for a reason. And I think the reason is spelled out. I think it's obvious when you read the manual in there and they're so adamant about uh, this being uh, not there to glorify war and to not... I think they wanted a straight up... They just was... It, this was an education thing. Sure. I don't think sure. they wanted any... I mean, they say they it's there for entertainment, and it is. But I think they were dead set on making something just to, to show you what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not the worst. Hey, listen, if you can learn something from playing a game, it's, you know, win-win. Um, something I noticed, and I didn't get to play two players at this. I'm sure who I would have played. I could have put the cat up there and would have kicked my, <laughs> kicked my butt. Uh, they've got uh, extra uh, scenarios that are specifically for two players, which would be kind of cool. There are there are uh, twelve two player maps and a twenty four single player campaign maps. So that's a that's a pretty hefty. This game will keep you busy for a while. Sure, sure. Um, like Boat said, the the map does a good job. Um, this is another game that I mean, listen, if for they for what they had to offer which is a kind of a lower-res screen. This is another game. You can see how these games could become more advanced in the future because when, you've, when you're when you running a, a, a 1440 screen, you know, big, wide, high-def screen, you can get more detail in the map. You can have more intricate terrain, roads, different sites of stuff that you can read, you know, smaller stuff. So for what this thing had to use, especially being split down the middle, I thought they did a pretty good job presenting the map. I thought that the map was as well drawn as far as, you know, it wasn't so hyper detailed that it just looked like, you know, random garbage. Mm -hmm. It was, there was shading on the terrain, you know, that you could see mountains and you could see the rivers and you could see the different types of paths and roads. Um, (laughs) I was a big fan of the overworld in this map. Yeah. Um, something else, I'm, this is getting back to what we we're talking about with the information that the game gave. Uh, just from what I found out from researching this, uh, the inform- information and the pictures, some of the other stuff, uh, some of the newspaper clippings, that stuff's all legit. They actually would oh, they actually look this stuff up, cool. you know, and they would have they would even have stuff in there that was just like stuff that was going on at the same time, not necessarily pertaining to the war. Mm-hmm. Sports stuff, for example, which is kind of that's kind that's kind of a, a, a neat gimmick. Um, so this game, unfortunately, doesn't. And again, we have no. I'm not. I could not find anywhere where it said this was going to be a series. But the general feeling is that it was probably going to be a series of, of games. They wouldn't have called it History Line, right? If- <laughs> um, it, it it was it was received pretty well. I didn't get any sales figures. I, again, it got ported to a to the U.S. and it was it got a PC port, which I'm assuming is the SSI version is the is would be the PC version. Those are the only two things it was ported to, uh, and. Uh, um, it just sort of that this was the first and last in the series. It's you know these games again. They're not my bag, but uh, um, I think they're. I can see how people can enjoy. Well, them. Well, I, I can mean, tell you there, there's a couple things about this game that I would change. Okay. Um, I gotta hear this. The first thing is that this game is rock paper scissors. You know, if you've got if you're if you've got combat. Yeah, combat. Yeah. If you've got. A squadron of guys going up against another squadron of guys. 
you're going to get the same result 10 times out of 10. If, you've, if you're on an elevated train, the guy's on lower terrain, you're going to have the advantage 10 times out of 10. What this game needs is something to throw a spanner in there and say, oh, something's happened and one of your guys slipped and fell and now the, the enemy has an advantage. Um, in the Advanced Wars series, you actually have a power-up where you hit the button and all of a sudden you're, all your guys bulk up, you know, um, sort of like in Baseball Stars 2 where you power your guy up. Now, of course, in a real realistic war simulation, you can have something like that, but you can figure out some way to sort of tip the scales one way or another randomly throughout the course of the battles. That's thing number one. Thing number two is it's way too easy to get sort of a stalemate situation going on in this game where you've got one unit left and the computer has one unit left and you're just sort of circling around each other. What they should have done to make this more interesting is to develop, I don't know, and again, it has everything to do with this being a realistic game, but either figure out a way that you can quickly bring in reinforcements and win, or maybe your your opponent can, or just make the map smaller and smaller and smaller to where, you know, you have to face off against each other. It'd be hard to be, to base that in realism. It would, well, it would be just like, you know, nearby, you know, uh, mustard gas factory leak, and it's just closing in all around you. I spoke, now this is, of course, uh, just... It's me, timely as today's this headlines. This being wacky, but... Uh, Stalemates are what World War One was all about. In the end, yeah, that's two true. two well dug in armies that just basically occasionally went over the top, got slaughtered, mm-hmm. and then or maybe as uh, if you ever watch Blackadder goes forth, uh, they wanted to move Melchick's uh, uh, tea table at seven feet closer to, to Berlin. That was mm-hmm. the old thing. Or at one point, they had a table set up. And they, were, and they were looking over like it's a map. It's like, this is the amount of land we took today, sir. It's like, what's the scale of this? And like, one to one. They had just cut the entire <laughs> piece of land out. They'd sat it on the table. I mean, it was a, World War One was known as just a, a meat grinder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, of course, the game isn't... Is it, uh, that's not what it means. I understand what you're saying. I mean, I that it wasn't... Usually, the enemy would amass and just smash me. I, I, had, I, I sucked. I sucked at this game. And th- they were great at it. Uh, I do like... I mean... Once I understood how the interface worked, you could understand how combat worked, and I think what you're saying is true. It to me, it seemed like it was simply a, a number. I mean, and the computer was, and for me anyway, was good about getting in positions where it was had more guys in a better spot. Mm-hmm. And, but you're at that point, it just becomes like it's a numbers crunch. Mm-hmm. All right, you've got five sets of guys here, and you've got you know two. They got the high grounds, and you're gonna, and you end up getting smashed. You've got to get some guys up there quick, or you're you know you're boned. Uh, I wasn't good enough to sit down and, and understand fully how the formula worked. Now, obviously, clearly, you were doing better than I was. Uh, but uh, I have read uh, from multiple uh, sources that the computer actually is not that difficult to beat once you have any idea what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I had no idea what I'm doing because I was I was, I was routine. Well, I, I was in a position to win. But I could not get my guys out of the depot, my reserves. I put them in there to, to repair them, and then I couldn't take them back out. And so that was my own fault, my own. <laughs> and you couldn't find anything in the docks about that? No, I, I was trying to figure, I mean, the, the docks told me what to do, but then I would try and, again, that, that context-sensitive thing, I wasn't getting the option to exit the depot. I so. found the documentation for this game, and again, I can only go by what I read. Right, uh, there were two versions. There was a PDF and the text, and I didn't match them up to see which one was more complete. Uh, but I found them lacking for me. Mm-hmm. I did not. Yeah, feel I feel like, like they that, could have done better on. They that, had a right? lot of history stuff mm-hmm. in it. I thought it was nice, and there's a lot of stuff about you know basic generic stuff. 
the uh, interesting thing is, I did read that apparently at some point, maybe in Europe, the PC version of this game was named this, as opposed to the SSI name, because I'm assuming that was just for the PC version in America. And I don't know, I don't have any knowledge of an Amiga version with that name released in the States. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, it, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I, I don't know anything about it. Uh, so, like I said, in this game, it did okay, it, but it, they never made another one. And so, and really, if you're that worried about war, uh, where would you even go? You'd have to go backwards, because you don't, you definitely don't want to try your hand at World War II. And again, World War, those World War, World War simulations or, or games involving that, that was not, a, um, there weren't a ton of those back, it's not like now, where there's like a million of those uh, games that are based in World War II, for example, there weren't in the old days. There were not a ton. There were some, but it certainly they weren't. You weren't like a first-person shooter type game. Well, there weren't a whole lot of war games at all. I mean, well, if they're I, not World War II, where are you going to go? Well, what I, I guess what I'm saying is, I mean, they had other wars that they would do. Like you know? what? Like what do you mean? Like what other wars yeah. did they do? Yeah. I know. But you mean board game wise? No, I'm talking about video games. I'm trying. Yeah. You See, know, there, there, yeah. I mean, there, there weren't that many war games at all. Not just World War well, II. I, my point was, um, I, and I can't say this for sure, but I, I wonder if they, if it's something that I wonder if other people were as worried about doing that as Blue Bite was. No, definitely not. Because think about North and South. Like, do you think that the Belgians care about offending some uh, some some rebel fighter? In the States, though, North I mean, and South. Was that released in the U.S.? I played it on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, that's right. I forgot about it. You played that on the Nintendo? Yeah. I then forgot about that. Well, there you go. What shot my theory in the butt? Yeah. I would like to hope that people didn't want to glorify a bunch of violent war games, but I guess they, they no. wouldn't do it It's then. just that's it's it's been enough time since the Civil War that that's okay. Think about all the Vietnam games there haven't been. You know, there's only been one. Think about all of There's the, been more than one. They, that, uh, there's a first-person shooter Vietnam game. There's also the game on the on the uh, uh, Neo Geo. It's a Nam sixty-seven. You're uh, right. You're right. Okay, That's, so uh, there okay. you go. Okay. And plus, me and you are not in a position to go through these first-person shooters. They've made one for every. But war, I mean, the, but I think that it's there are definitely more wars. There are more war games for wars that have happened before than have happened. Like you, you like for example, remember that Six Days in Fallujah game that was supposed to come out and then it got cancelled because it was it was too close. Yeah, but there are plenty of games that are out right now that are about stuff that's in the Middle East and But they're not based on actual real like historical combat things. Like you're not gonna see like an exact reenactment of a real battle. I mean, really, that does that matter? You tell me. I don't think it does. Okay. I, if there was not let's take the history aspect of this out. All right, and just say, okay, uh, this is what it is, and we're not educating you or doing it. Wouldn't, doesn't really, it wouldn't change the game much. I like the modern games. Listen, if you're going over and shooting a bunch of, let's say, uh, Serbian soldiers, for example, in a make-believe world, but they're calling them Serbian soldiers, you're still killing a bunch of Serbian soldiers. It's still kind of crummy, right? I mean, technically, mm-hmm. I guess that's where I'm going. I don't know. I'm trying to establish some sort of moral area here, but it's hard. For, it's hard to get my footing. But you know what I'm, you know, I'm trying to go. It seems like now we're more than happy to just be more violent and oh, take yeah. the wars in. If Call of Duty, the whole Call of Duty series, the modern warfare stuff, there's mm-hmm. plenty of that stuff that takes place in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you call it like Scumbagistan. Mm-hmm. You know, we know what that is. Right. It's not like, you know, yeah, it's a made-up country. No, it's not. Right. It's, you know, what we're doing. Yeah, I think that people were, and I think that to some extent, 
the Germans are still more sensitive to that than any other country. I mean, they have laws on the books. Like, you've yep. got to change all of the humans to robots in, in the first-person well, games you know, and stuff like that. And, I mean, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing at all. I, you know? I think there's a happy medium, but maybe we can learn a little something from yeah. the Germans on this one. Because when you get... We don't need we don't need a ton of that. I don't play a lot of first-person shooters. It's not because I got a moral problem with it or whatever. But, you know, and I played a crap little Wolfenstein back in the day. So, I don't know what that means, but... There you go. That's why we can't really set a moral footing because we've slipped off the moral footing plenty of times. Very true. But maybe we need to be better people, both. Hey, especially you, you won't get any. Yeah. So, <laughs> bam. You got me. So reviews of this game, Boatster. Do you have anything to add before we go down the review no. track? Um, the Lemon Folk, whom I know you have, uh, you sort of like, sort of don't sometimes. Eight point three five. Very popular. Uh, have we, let me ask you a question. <laughs> have we ever reviewed a game that was a nine on Lemon? I don't. If we have, of course you're asking me. Because it seems like eight point three five. That's one of the highest ratings that we. It is. We've, it's a very yeah. high. It's a very high rating. Um, now your your magazines back in the day uh, were a little bit over the map. So Amiga, I actually looked at this in May of ninety three, seventy five percent. Uh, the funny thing is, uh, Amiga Computing looked at it in 93 and gave it an 80%. And the hilarious thing is, it was the same reviewer, apparently. He just... <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. I know it's the same exact name. I spent more than one day with this game, <laughs> and I've changed my tune. Amiga Down Under. Is that real? That's a real magazine. Is it the Australian Amiga Review? You noticed, did you catch my accent there? I did. That was fantastic. You sound just like Paul Hogan. Thank you. You call that a knife? That's all I know. It's even better. Yeah. Um, they gave it a 9 out of 10. They loved it. They loved it. Amiga Force. That's what we are. That's right. We should get shirts made of Amiga Force. They gave it a 91. Amiga Format, 94. Amiga Joker, German. Mm -hmm. They ate everything, 86. So they dug it. Well, they're homers. Oh, shit. listen to you. Amiga Magazine gave it an 11.1 out of 12. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were going to give me 11.1 out of 10. They loved it. <laughs> what is that score? It's Did a it, Spinal Tap that, score. That sounds like a diving score. It's like the 9.9, .9, 11. Um, Amiga Power, got to love those guys, 87%. Mm -hmm. This got lots of reviews. An Amiga, an Australian Commodore and Amiga reviewed 82 See you, Amiga. Eighty nine. Well, you other thing. This came out. This came out in ninety two. This was probably ninety three. Yeah. Mm. Uh, here's a one. Detour Magazine. I've never heard of them. Eighty five and the one eighty one. So let's say eighties to low nineties on this one. So a, a B, a high B, you know, midland B. I'm not going to issue forth any, uh, even a simulated rating due to my suckery. <laughs> but uh, since you're a, you're a guy that plays these sorts of games, where, where would this fall on the boat scale? Not to put you on the spot, but this is one of the this is one of the best games I think I've played on the Amiga. You say that every week. <laughs> you do. What, really? What, you Did think I say this is the best one of the best games you put on the Amiga? Do I say that every you week? You say it a lot, or you say it's the worst. You're an you're an extremist to the nines. Well, I either like it or I hate it. What Man. can I say? Um, I think that, um, you know, I like this type of game. Mm -hmm. You know, I like games where I can ponder my movements. And, yep. and, and, and I, I like games that, um, that are sort of slow moving. It's a slow moving game. Like me. Um, so, 
and this game didn't suck. Like how many? I mean, like <laughs> wow. We play a ton what, of games. What praise that was. We play a ton of games, and they're just awful. No, they're not. And people are just like, "This is the best game ever," and I'm like, "No, it's what do you not." Mean, almost every week, you enjoy the game. No, that's definitely not true. Um, and so when I play a game that that I like, I want to pump it up. I mean, I really think like. As far as turn-based tactical games, I really hope that the Amiga Game Selection Committee one day picks UFO because I'd like to, I'd like to review it and talk to you about it and see how it stocks up against History Line. Did you, you know? see me play UFO on the Amiga? Thon? Oh, that was a different time. <laughs> An alien could have done a better job. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think that if you are in the, if if this kind of game is what you like. You, you will definitely be well served by checking it out. It's not like if you're a platformer fan, what Amiga platformer would you recommend? You know, and, and then we, and when I say Zool, no. When I say Super Frog, no. I'd say The Addams Family and then buy a Super Nintendo. Uh, this is like, this is legitimate. If you are into a turn-based tactical game, you will not be disappointed by History Line. It gives you, it delivers in spades. Sounds good enough for me. Uh, eBay, I looked this thing up. Guess what? I didn't find any copies in the Stiz 8s. However, if you're in the UK, Spain, a bunch of other countries, your business, just over 20 bucks, American, take it home. Box, the whole nine yards. Nice. Not a bad deal. No. Hey, getting the box and all the docks, though, this probably wouldn't be too bad. I don't know if it because of the cool maps or anything, it wouldn't hurt, you know. So um, there you go. And uh, Pixels, a, Pixels a, at Dawn. A game. Pixels at Dawn says the only game uh, <laughs> that we have reviewed that's got a nine or above on Lemon was Monkey Island. Monkey Island. Yeah. Well, Which, go. I mean. Who said this? That was Pixels. My God. Yeah. What, a ge- what a genius. This he's guy. on it. He, how, did he, how does he know? He's got multiple spreadsheets. He's in the tube right now in London. And he's got his laptop open. He's got his phone out. He's doing research while he's watching us. He's like a robot. He is. Sort. Very he good. Is. Thank you, Pix. So, um, Aaron... Uh, I'd just like to uh, tell you that even though you did not get the Patreon song last week, nope, lots of folks did. Did I not get it? Because I don't remember it. I'll be honest with you. You might not have guessed. Okay. But in my mind, you didn't know what right, it was. Let me hear what... It wasn't a Mario one, was it? No, that was two weeks ago. Damn. Paradise by the Dashboard oh, Light. Yeah. That was an abomination <laughs> upon man. When you told me... You actually told me what that was, and I literally died. I... I, I <laughs> And poor Meatloaf. If that guy could talk right now, he would be on their phone with his lawyers calling you down. Have you ever seen that fight between him and Gary Busey on the... Uh... I didn't watch those oh. sad days. I did hear Meatloaf perform that live, and it was awesome. Awesome, I tell you. It was great. Did He's he, the man. Did he, does he always travel around with the girl? He had the, the girl. girl parts? Yeah. 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 Was it the girl? It was not the girl, but it was mm. a girl. What happened to the girl? Well, I think her name was Patty... And that, that video and that song came out like 79 or something, so she's probably old. Well, he's also old. Yeah, but he, listen, when you're meatloaf, you travel with the new hotness, as you say. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and also his daughters and stuff were in a band, too, so they were pretty good looking. He's got a bunch of daughters. I hope he didn't traveling. sing that with his daughter. That would be weird. No. And also, he badmouthed the chick. I can't, I don't, I'm not going to relate what he said, <laughs> but he changed a couple of lyrics to make it more naughty, and it was, wow. it was highly amusing. <laughs> the loaf is awesome. I love the guy. So thank you uh, and congratulations. Yeah. This is your time, Aaron. You get to say a funky fact about each one of the winners. How many do we have? Two. Oh man, I'm not ready. Number one, okay. Paul Harrington. Paul Harrington. Um, wait. He wears he wears silk underwear. I know that. All you need to know. That's all you need to know. And Dan Ross never leaves home without a hair pick. All right. Yeah. All right. 
I used to be like that. Did you? Yeah. Mm. The beard got too short. The man, yeah. think about Jim the Anvil Nightheart. You think he ever took a pic to that beard? Absolutely. Probably nightly. Absolutely. Before he entered the ring, I believe he did have like a tight white guy afro back in the day, for real. Before he, you know, shaved it off. Yeah. Did he have the afro and the beard at the same time concurrently? I don't know. Mm. That'd be. Have it's you ever a seen a guy that can asking. pull that off? I wish I was a guy that could pull man. that off. It's like you'd have to be a combination Jim Nightheart and a Garfunkel. <laughs> You know, man, there was some guy that I saw in a picture. It was like, it was like, oh no, it was Prince Harry, and I saw him, and I was like, that's Art Garfunkel. Yeah, I said to him in my mind, and then I looked, and it was Prince Harry. Harry's got a weird look on his face. Now he's the, is he the one who just they're just announced their pregnancy? I think so. Yeah. Uh, 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 he did a good job. He picked a. He's got. A, he's got a very attractive. It seems like a very nice. Woman, wife, I can't remember her name. You rarely, you rarely don't when you're royalty. Well, you know, you never know. You never know. You never know. Guys, I mean, Harry's not as freakish as some of these guys have been in the past. You want to name names? Name well, some freaky royals. Like, uh, 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 the, who was the fellow that was married to Princess Di? Prince Charles? Not a handsome man. Well. I mean, uh, deny it. Okay. Okay. So there you go. But Diana. Incredibly hot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, you're right. I'm not going to deny it. The royals get the good looking. You're just saying that the, the 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 Henry and William. Henry looks like a, they, yeah. They look like fairly yeah. normal. Although yeah. Henry's still pretty young, he could fly off the deep end real quick. <laughs> All right. Know? Before we uh, before we get sued for slander, well, we're going to. He knows. <laughs> Who wants to go get mad at me? You called me unattractive. No kidding. <laughs> you just take the fake, aren't you? The fact that. Um, so if you are, uh, if you would like to participate in this week's Patreon song challenge. I mean, look at our king. What are we? You're in a basket of fruit yourself, we're man. Gonna, I'm just saying we're going to mock another country's guys for looking weird. Are you kidding me? You can send me an email at johnandamigospodcast.com. And Aaron, I think you're going to like this one. I, I doubt it. <clears throat> I really do. <laughs> are you tuning up the band there? Oh, oh my me, God. Me, me, me. Robert Edgerton III, Simon Rose, Joseph Harrington, Kyle Rob O'Hara, Howard Nims, Matthew, Larry Moore, Andy, Craig, Sean's old Darren Lone, Max calling 419. Mark Bid, Roland Burke, Andrew Monks, Joe the Zombie, Joe's John Cook, Dan Ross, Leaf Killon, Alka Bob, Tickle Level John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Ricky DeRosa, Creepy Dead Boy, Figure CTZ, The Slow Norris, Stephen Sorgard Mortensen, Ed, Lynn, Helen Blender 75, Christopher Hassel, Ravi Abbott, Chris Falls, Dreamcatcher, Lauren Joe, W. Vibke, Brandout, Elaine Denson, Adam Battersby, O'Brien's Richard Vintage, Gary Huckasy, Brian Jones, Paul Harrington, and Duncan Styles, Adam Goodball, Pokey, Anthony Jarvis, 
Apes from the crib, Jaws, Nan, had a brother, Jonas, Rule, T.H.C., Eric Nelson, Kim, Tommy, Humbert, Stodd. Daniel Bingston, Brutal, Barracuda, Darren Cole, Jason Wallace, Pixel, Don, and Kill, Bjorn, Barman. Man. Did you sing for the Statler Brothers back in the day? I did. Or like... I was uh, also in the... Yeah, I was all those guys. Oak Ridge Boys. Oak Ridge L- L- That's right. Man, you really got down there for that one. Thank you. No, don't thank... I wasn't... It's like a compliment. Was it an insult? It was... Well, it insulted somebody. <laughs> Aaron, next week's your favorite week of the year. It is? Mm-hmm. All right. Because... It's another week of a record-setting numbers and quality of games as we have our third annual Halloween Spectacular. We're gonna have a rough time top in the last two years. Now you might re- let's 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 do a quick recap of our Halloween shows in the All past. Right, I remember okay? them verbatim. We, so, got, we got Fright Night. Yep, that was Halloween year one. That was and that was great. And then did I know, did I mention to you that I met the Fright Night people once or twice? Once or twice. Then we did all the Elvira games, which is awesome. I would love to meet Elvira. That's a whole other story. And so, uh, have we done three of these? I feel like we've done one more. Also, could this be our fourth Halloween what, spectacular? What are we missing? Those are the ones I remember. I just feel like it's been a long time. That uh, the, it seems like it's been so long since we did Elvira. It can't be more than a year. Maybe did we? Is this our fourth? Hall- it couldn't be our fourth Halloween spectacular. Listen, I don't know what year it is. I don't so, know what the heck's going on. October 2015, October 2016, October 2017. Yeah, it has to be. Pixels. Pixels. You know. What is, <laughs> when was our, what was our, yeah, this is our fourth What's Halloween that, what, show, by so the way. So uh, we did all the Elvira's. We yeah. did, we did uh, Fright Night. We did, we, there was something else. Oh, we else. did Ghouls and Ghosts and Ghosts and Goblins. There we go. Didn't we? That was, oh, yeah. And there was, and that ripoff, the roads or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, yeah. 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 So I don't remember if that was a Halloween show or not. This is our fourth Halloween show. This so is our far, every show. show winner. Every show, every please, show. let me ask you, because and this is for, I do this mostly for the people at home. Please tell me you're not going to wear that horrible green suit this year. I can't handle any more of that I suit. can't promise oh. that I will not wear the green suit. It's an Amigos tradition. Oh, no, it's not. Like no other. I am poo-pooing this tradition immediately. <laughs> So what? Are, what's the committee picked out? I'm sure they picked out nothing but winners. Next week we are going to play two games. Okay. Personal nightmare. <laughs> I mean, how is that any different than than life? Uh, and Alien Three, your favorite Alien. Alien Three. Mm-hmm. Is that the one with another rider in it? It's the one where she gets in the mech suit. It's a tactical turn-based strategy game. You're kidding me. Is it really? No. That would have been stunning to me. Is that the one where she gets in the mix? I thought you did in the second one. Maybe I don't. I've never seen any of the. Alien I haven't movies. either. Really? Yes. That <laughs> yes. never did anything for me. You've never seen Alien? I've seen parts of them, but it's not like I went out of my way. Mm. I like Sigourney Weaver. You know, eh, okay. Yeah. Mm. What do you, what do you I think? think Bill she's Paxton doing? was in one of those uh, early ones. I like him. Didn't he play for the Colts? Huh? No. No. Who's Bill Paxton? Bill Paxton. He's just an actor, man. You know. I think uh, the guy from Firefly was in one too. You know, Jane, Jane, the man they call Jane. I think he was in one, too. Hmm. We never re-edit these. You're going to actually sit down and edit this? I do a lot of stuff that you don't realize. There's there's a lot of machinations. Uh, listen, I'll, I, I'll, I'll help you record the show. I know when it's been edited. No, sometimes you, you don't do. edit off anything. I'll, I'll be like, please, boat, Please, for the love of God. <laughs> edit off the part where you're browbeating me. You're beating me down. Or maybe let's see what... 
that's always in there. And in the mm-hmm. background, I can hear someone going, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh I, do, I do put that in, in <laughs> See, post. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that you're going to edit this is a baffling. Okay, but go ahead. Well, okay. Tell me when we're starting. So, Aaron, we do record the show Wait every minute, week. We've already, you were already recording that whole run of yeah. me talking? Well, I mean, I'm not going to put that in. Well, I'm just saying you didn't tell me you were starting to record. I would have just shut up. Now I've ruined it twice. That's okay. All right, go ahead. I'm ready. So, Aaron, we do record the show every week at 5.30 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, yes. except when we don't. Hey, we've um, been, that's what, four weeks in a row? We've, we've been strong. We've been strong. Strong um, like bull. So, uh, and we also, we always have a nice group of folks in the chat. This week, we've got uh, Edvin, Helen, Pixels at Dawn, Duncan Styles, Gary, Hucker, Graham, Vebke, Will Williams, Paul Harrington. Thank you guys so much, Joseph Baxter, for popping in and uh, being with us on the show. And uh, Aaron, I can't wait for our Halloween show. It's sure to be another barn burner in yep. the grand tradition. And also, thanks, Graham, for all these yummy goodies. Absolutely. The magazine. Thank you, thank you. We love it. And we will see you next week. Until then, adios. Now that's how you do an ending. It was. I like the other ending better. All right, guys. Thank you for once again sticking it out with us. We gone we gone long this week, Aaron. Well, because we just meandered around for the past twenty minutes. <laughs> also, your song took six hours. Well, I can't help it. The Amigos family continues to grow. Is that what that is? You you read it like the record was on the wrong speed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's get that thing up to whatever seventy two RPM. You know, it's funny. I was listening to um, a podcast starring the people that made the Chipmunks, Ross Badagassian, or whatever. You know who I'm talking about, right? I don't know, but I, I know the chipmunks. And so are. the the chipmunks, I always figured it was normal talking sped up to twice the speed. Yeah, but it's not. No, you have to talk in half speed, and then they speed it up to twice the speed to make it sound high but normal. Weird, man. That is weird. I hated those guys. I never liked the I never liked the chipmunks. The kid loves them. We fact we've already watched the chipmunks Halloween special. Mm. So yeah, there you go. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you next week. Until then, honey house. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>